Hello and welcome to the Commonweal Policy Podcast. I'm Craig DL and I'm the Head of Policy at Commonweal. Food is one of, if not the most fundamental topics of governance and its stable provision has been at the heart of, possibly even the cause of, civilization since the dawn of our species. The last century has experienced an unprecedented growth in food production with the Green Revolution uh, increasing uh, food yields to a degree that our our great-grandparents could not have imagined. However, we've also seen the rise of ecological damage caused by the overuse of pesticides and fertilizers, as well as the power that controls our food production monopolized into a few mega corporations and, and pulled out of the hands of those who actually produce the food. The climate emergency now is also forcing us to rethink our means of food production. As aside from the chemicals I've just mentioned, Agriculture is the second largest source of global greenhouse gas emissions after energy production, accounting for around 18% of global emissions. Neither a net zero future nor even a true Green New Deal is possible without a radical overhaul of our agricultural sector. My guest this week is Andrew Stark, the Land Policy Officer at RSPB Scotland. RSPB are members of the Scottish Food Coalition alongside Commonweal and many others. And Andrew's here with me to discuss food policies that are currently being developed in and around the Scottish Parliament and how they could affect Scottish food production and how Scottish communities engage with the food sector. Andrew, hello and thank you for coming on to the show. Hello Craig, thanks very much for having me and great to be speaking with you today. Mm. I'm, I'm honestly really looking forward to this conversation so let's crack right into it. First up, who are the Scottish Food Coalition and what are they campaigning for? Yeah, great. So um, the Scottish Food Coalition, um, we're an alliance of farmers and growers, academics, workers, unions and charities focus on a number of different food system issues, such as the environment, health, poverty and animal welfare. We know that the challenges facing our food system are connected and we need to work across the whole system to achieve a healthy, fair and sustainable future. So we were founded in 2015 by RSPB Scotland, where I work, and also Nourish Scotland. And we now have close to 50 members representing a number of different areas related to food, such as Commonweal. But we also have um, members focused on issues such as nature and the environment, such as the RSPB, WWF, Open Seas, health charities such as Obesity Action Scotland, Scottish Care, animal welfare charities such as OneKind, farmers and growers such as the Nature Friendly Farming Network and the Land Workers Alliance, food bank providers in uh, the Independent Food Aid Network and the Trustful Trust and also workers unions such as Unite and Unison. So to me this really represents the breadth and depth of the coalition but also food as an issue and how connected uh, it is across different aspects of our society. And we also have a network of um, volunteers that help to shape our campaigns and work with us to, to deliver on some of the things that we that we want. Uh, and we've been campaigning for a Good Food Nation Bill, which is the name of a piece of food legislation proposed by the Scottish Government. So we've been long-standing campaigners for the bill um, and we were a key part in the Good Food Nation Bill consultation that happened a few years ago and getting this bill um, on the radar of the Scottish Government and parliamentarians. Uh, and we would like it to have five things in it. So we would like to see the right to food to be enshrined in Scots law, the establishment of an independent food commission. Uh, we would be aiming to have food plans created sectoral measures and targets to drive action across the food system and also duties on public bodies. So um, we'll come on to discuss, I guess, some of the specifics of the bill as a key way of fixing our food system. But in summary, that's what, we, that's what we've been up to the past few years. 
And I will put a link to the Scottish Food Coalition and, and some other resources into the description of this podcast. If anyone out there wants to learn more about what, what the coalition's about, or if you want to get involved, then that will be the place to do it. Um, Andrew, this is obviously a very emotive issue, and it, it, it inspires a lot of passion um, for, for people who are interested in it. How did you personally get involved and, and interested in land and food policy? Yeah, good question. So um, I was always sort of interested in the environment growing up and going to university and understanding, I guess, some of the some of the harms that our current system has from an environmental perspective, such as like emissions and fossil fuels and all those sorts of things. But then during university, I sort of studied food waste as a particular example. Uh, and for me, that really illustrated how food how complex the food system is and how sort of illogical it is as well because if you think about the amount of food that's grown and all the fossil fuels and effort and labor and transport that go into producing distributing food and then for it to be wasted is to me seemed really illogical and what you know why why would we be wasting that um, and it exposed I think some of the flaws with the current sort of food system so that really gave me a bit of an insight into some of the debates and some of the themes around food. Uh, and then since I've been working um, with our with the Scottish Food Coalition at the RSPB, it's really honed, I guess, a bit more of my passion and my interest in this topic area because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things wrong with our food system, you know. But I think food is a also a fantastic thing. It connects people, it exposes you to new cultures and experiences. Uh, it can bring people together, and it can really um, be an integral part of communities across Scotland. So for me, there's a lot of potential for food to act as a key driver of positive change in Scotland. And that's why I'm so passionate about working on the bill and working in the coalition, because it, it's a really key opportunity for us to, to improve society for the better. Yeah, I mean, my own experience, I, I'm not a farmer myself, but my grandparents were. So I, I grew up around sheep um, and I live in a rural area. So food production is literally all around me yeah it's completely surrounding my village so it's it's something that, that i've been very aware of for my whole life as well mm-hmm. um now there have been um some some recent developments in agricultural policy in scotland um over the past few years and a growing awareness of how these policies can impact the environment can you give us a quick summary of, of you know, what's been going on yeah sure so um Agriculture is obviously a key part of our food system and, you know, we need agriculture in Scotland and indeed the UK to to survive and to be able to eat the food that we grow, but also to trade with other countries and, you know, play an integral part of Scotland's economy. Um, But since we've left the EU, each of the UK countries now has a sort of once in a generation opportunity to to rethink um, farming policy and to rethink what the purpose of agriculture is. Um, so there's around a 600 million you know, pounds um, in agricultural subsidies for farmers and crofters in Scotland. Uh, and there's currently debates and proposals going on, you know, um, across different um, sectors of, of uh, the environmental sector, from industry, from government around what that 600 million, how we could shape that in the future. So there's different policy groups, um, st- different stakeholder groups of which we are part of a few. Um, and the sort of process at the moment is that there's uh, the Scottish government recently released their vision for agriculture. Uh, and then um, in later this summer, we'll have a consultation on an agriculture bill before an agriculture bill brings brought forward uh, in 2023. And the content of that bill and, and the sorts of 
purposes of the food of, of the agriculture will impact heavily on our food system uh, and agricultural policy um, change sort of seismic changes like this don't come around um, too often so it's a really key opportunity for us um, at RSPB to think about you know trying to repurpose agriculture so that it's able to support more nature-friendly farming methods that are better in the long run for farmers and crofters giving us that sort of long-term environmental resilience uh, so repurposing that that money so that we're, we're able to better reward farmers for for the hard work that they do but also to ensure that the environment isn't lost um, within within that um, change so yeah there's quite a lot going on and and um, there'll be a key opportunities for, for people that are interested through our agriculture bill to, to engage in this process um, and um, it's been interesting to see some of the policy divergence across across the UK and how how we can make sure uh, from a UK perspective how the different agriculture policies can still complement each other uh, and you know maintain that cohesion across across the UK. Yeah, it's, it's tempting to think of agriculture as quite a small c conservative sector that, that doesn't really change all that much but as soon as you speak to people who are in that field who especially those who have been farmers for multiple in, in, for multiple generations you, you get a deeper appreciation of actually how how accommodating a lot of farmers can be to change to new technology new techniques and new skills um so while precisely yeah, and I mean, part of, so one of the members of the coalition um, that I mentioned there, the Nature Friendly Farming Network, they're a really fantastic, you know, um, um, group of farmers and, and supporters who are sort of demonstrating that um, innovative, forward-thinking approach to farming, where you can put nature at the heart of having a you know a thriving business, and actually it makes business sense to to do this. There's, there's a lot of space of innovation, as you say. Mm. So, as I mentioned. Food production is one of the major sources of greenhouse gases um, and, and that, that humans produce. Um, Scotland's certainly not immune to that. If we want to get to a, a net zero future or a Green New Deal future, we are going to have to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the sector. What does Scotland need to start thinking about doing to encourage that and to, and, and to move towards that? Yeah, so I think for, for us um, at the RSPB, it's really about um obviously there's a lot of pressure on land at the moment and there's a lot of different ways that you know land has to deliver a lot of different things um so for us it's about that integrated land use so that you can have um things like nature-friendly farming methods and agroforestry and woodlands that can help reduce uh, emissions and act as carbon sinks but they're also good for wildlife and they can also help to address the nature emergency as well so it's about, um, yeah, making sure that the land that we've got is integrated and we're not having um, intensive specialised farms, monocultures in one area and then um, monocultures of woodlands in another area. And it's about how we can integrate the two to, to sort of drive that nature and climate emergency change that we need. I'll actually put a link to a, a recent podcast I, I did with some some folk who'd written a policy paper for us on, on rewilding Scotland that talks about exactly that kind of blended use um, rather than trying to stick the wilderness elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, as you say, there are going to be a lot of pressures uh, on land. And there have been recent stories, um, some of them quite disturbing, about Scottish land being rapidly bought up by rich individuals and for companies who are looking specifically to, to green their investment portfolios. 
how 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 bad are those increased tensions going to get um, as people start trying to look at climate emergency mitigations? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think in short, like yes, there will be a lot of increased tensions, and it's important to remember that you know land is a finite resource, uh, and it needs to serve a lot of purposes for us. You know, agriculture, forestry, uh, nature restoration, housing, energy. So there's direction needed from the Scottish government about how those different pieces of the jigsaw fit together. And there's opportunities for that, such as the regional land use partnerships, or of course, the land use strategy as well. So, but as I said, it's about how we can make sure that those different land use needs are um, married together and that we can tick as many boxes from the same parcel of land as possible where appropriate, rather than having, as you say, the sort of separation. Uh, and I think you're, you're right, there is a lot of in increased tension. There's a new report from the Scottish Land Commission, um, their Rural Land Market Insights report, which showed some really interesting latest stats around land markets um, and um, it shows the increase in prices in land. So for example, some headline stats are that prices for farmland increased by 31.2% in 2021 compared to 6.2% for the UK as a whole. Uh, and the average price of a Scottish estate has increased by 87%. So what we're seeing is that land prices are, are shooting up as well. And that obviously puts a lot of pressure on landowners to, to, to marry those sort of you know different demands on their land uh, and also it puts a pressure on on communities as well that are sort of being priced out of rural landscapes and it's yeah so i think the you know that it's possible to have a you know land use in scotland that that serves all of our needs uh, and then we can have um, renewable energy alongside um farming and alongside um housing but we just need that sort of overarching framework um, to give direction to it because as i said the market is driving a lot of activity at the moment yeah and it's not just um communities being affected by not being able to access the, the land around them it has a knock-on effects on things like house prices and further investment in those precisely you can you can very quickly see communities hollowed out just because they can't afford the land under their feet precisely precisely yeah now, you mentioned the Good Food Nation Bill. It was, it was um, introduced to the Scottish Parliament in October 2021. Um, legislation can take quite a while to go through parliaments. That's just the nature of democracy and to the, the time it takes to properly scrutinise um, bills. So we're still monitoring that and, and, and trying to influence it and uh, amend it. But can you give us a quick summary of what the Good Food Nation Bill actually is? Yes, certainly. So, yes, it's a much talked about policy area, and I think the 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 first um, Good Food Nation vision by the Scottish government was, I think it was in, around 2014 or in the early early half of that decade. So, it's been something that's been sort of bubbling along for a while now. But um, the government committed to introducing uh, a consultation for the bill, which, as I mentioned, we helped to drive a lot of engagement and response to in 2019. And the government committed to bringing forward a Good Food Nation bill in um, 2020, but obviously with COVID uh, and um, other bills like the Circular Economy Bill, it was shelved um, as it was a non-emergency piece of food legislation. But definitely the need for a bill and for food system change didn't go and COVID sort of illustrated some of the challenges with the food system. Um, so uh, the government recommitted to it uh, in this parliamentary year. So it was introduced in October, 2021. Um, 
And during the stage one period where the um, committee that's responsible for it, the Rural Affairs Committee, took a lot of, lot of evidence from different stakeholders uh, interested in the Good Food Nation Bill, both written evidence uh, and also oral evidence in the committee sessions. Uh, and a lot of coalition members gave evidence to the committee uh, and it showed um, the committee's report that basically that, that the bill needs improving. Um, at the moment, the bill um, legislates for um, local and national food plans to be created uh, and also for um, um, the government to have um, a role or the parliament to have a role in overseeing these plans every five years. But um, we would like to see the bill improved in quite a lot of ways. Um, as I said earlier, there's the sort of um, issues around um, the right to food, which we would like to see included. Um, and for the local and food plans for the right to food to be a key part of, um, of those plans. Now, the right to food is something that uh, is an international human right, which everyone in Scotland um, has. But because of the way human rights law work, if it's not in domestic law, we can't realise it. So the government has said that the human rights bill that they will be introducing in 2023 will enshrine the right to food. But we still think that a key part of a key objective of the food plans should be that the purpose is to protect the right to food for everyone in Scotland today and for future generations. And the right to food is a complex one. It's around food insecurity, but it's also about producing ways that are sustainable so that future generations can have food security as well. Um, we'd also like to see a food commission established. So we believe that we need a new body to oversee and guide our progress in Scotland's food system and that this commission needs to be independent of government so that it can give us a true picture of the whole system. Uh, and this would be um, sort of apolitical. It, it wouldn't be tied to a particular government of the day, and it would inform us about what we already do well and what needs to improve. And we look to the Scottish Land Commission as quite a small um, commission, uh, but very flexible and adaptable. And that report I mentioned earlier, for example, can do some really key up-to-date research. Um, and finally, we also believe that there needs to be targets in the bill. So we need a small number of ambitious and achievable targets to focus mind and stimulate action. So examples include um, halving the environmental impact of the food system by 2030, ending the uses of cages with farmed animals by 27, eliminating severe household food insecurity by 2030, and achieving Scottish dietary goals by 2035. So um, there's a lot going on with the bill at the moment, uh, and currently the um, bill is in stage two. So um, next Wednesday, the 11th of May, there'll be a Rural Affairs Committee session where they'll vote uh, on the amendments that have been lodged. Uh, and then after that, there'll be the stage three debate sort of in early, uh, early summertime. So um, we think the bill is a really key opportunity to, to fix our food system, but we just believe that it needs a bit more, it needs more teeth. Uh, and the final thing I'll say about it would be that there's a lot of different food system issues like you know ill health and um, poverty, um, the environmental degradation that we see. But for us, the, the Good Food Nation bill, if, if you think of those as loose jigsaw pieces, um, the Good Food Nation bill can act as a framework to sort of bring those jigsaw pieces together and really start to sort of glue some of the different issues that, that we face. I mean, my, my personal interest is really to look at how the right to food uh, will in practice be realised because something that we've found in other sectors, talking about 
care, a right to care or a right to health care. Um, it often falls down when you have this right, but it's a, a fairly abstract right and there's no clear pathway for who takes responsibility for delivering that right mm. or for sorting things when it fails. Well, exactly. And I think so for, for us, the obviously the enshrinement of the right to food is, as you say, one aspect of it. But in order for that to have teeth and for that to actually become a thing, um, that's why a food commission would be really important because it is the, that would be the, the, the body that would be overseeing the work of the government and making sure that the right to food's actually we're making progress towards that. So that's why it's not just about just the right to food itself. It's about those other measures that I've spoken about. I mentioned in the intro that food production globally is becoming increasingly monopolized and, and that power imbalance is becoming a, um, a major problem in some places. Uh, the term banana republic is somewhat of a cliche these days, but it refers to very real problems that have come when companies have um, monopolized food production and the politics around that. Uh, I'm not saying Scotland's quite in that state, but is this an issue in Scotland and how might the, the Good Food Nation Bill help address this and help local communities with their own food production? Yeah, a really important point. And, and I think it is something that's a concern of ours um, because I think diversification, so that meaning, you know, as, as you sort of say, uh, less concentrated power in the food system, um, local communities having a greater say in the sorts of foods that they're able to eat and, and grow. Uh, and you know a different range of businesses um, is really important in the food system because it provides that long-term security uh, and also ensures that um, we have a, a greater people in Scotland have a greater say in their food system and whilst these aren't sort of Scotland specific statistics in the UK uh, the top 10 supermarkets have around 90 plus percent share of the market so that shows the concentration of the supermarket. And I think Tesco alone is responsible for about 26% of the market. So that concentration of, of, of power, and when it comes back to things like food waste, for example, um, Tesco is doing some pretty um, positive things in, in some of their uh, measuring the impact of the food system. And they've done some good work with WWF on that. But still, that, that level of imbalance is something that's quite a concern because um, I think it stops that regional um, power in the food system from becoming a reality so for example that could mean things like uh people in coastal communities eating more of the fish that's near them or people you know near sort of agricultural areas being able to actually eat the food that's grown five miles down the road um and some of the things that we found during um covid one of the projects we did was around food stories where we basically gathered how people have experienced the food system during covid and there was people saying you know i live in a rural area i live near farms but i can't I can't access that food, even though I can see it and I can see the farm because of the way the food system currently is. So um, it monopolize, yeah, monopolies are obviously something that's a worry, but I think um, the bill could be that enabling power to try to shift that. Um, and the final thing I would just say is that it's important also that we don't offshore our emissions and make sure that the foods that we are importing are, are also nature friendly and good for the environment rather than putting a problem um, elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly got anecdotes from around my area where I've, I've spoken to dairy farmers um, in the village who have said things like, I would love to be able to produce milk for the local school, but I can't because I have to be able to produce milk for all of the schools in the local authority. And that's too big for me. So I can't just supply to one school 
uh, and I I don't have the the volume to be able to supply to all of them. Similarly, I can't just supply to my local shop if it's a supermarket and they want to have the same milk on all of the shelves right across the country. Yeah. So there's definitely improvements that can be made in, in the supply chains and procurement in that respect. Although I do have to say that one of our local dairy farmers now does have a milk vending machine in the village, yeah. which produces extremely delicious milk. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, that's um, something that was come on to in a minute, but I think that, um, yeah, I think procurement and that sort of, investment from you know councils and the government in those sorts of different food systems that we that we could have as a really powerful driver of change so yeah yeah and many many of the goals in the good food nation bill kind of focus on food consumption um, they they talk about trying to ensure access to sufficient and sufficiently healthy food that right to food mentioned before um talking about trying to trying to access more local food uh, and having more of an interest in and food con- uh, as, as is consumed. But what does the bill have to say about Scottish food production as well? Yeah, important question. And I think this is one of the gaps um, with the bill at the moment is that there's not quite the links made between um, the food production, uh, between food production, sorry, uh, uh, and other objectives with our food system so things like yeah access to food or health um now the bill is an enabling bill that is is is, um what the government has said in that it will create these national and local food plans so the policy detail about the sorts of system that we could have will be in the detail of of that national plan if you like but for us, it's really important that on the bill, it spells out what the objectives of that plan will be and how that the bill will speak and how the bill will speak to that plan. So that's why for, for us at RSPB, for example, we'd be really keen that um, an objective of the National Food Plan would be to support nature friendly producers, um, to support agroecology and these other sorts of um, low intensive um, good for nature methods, which are also good for farmers and crofters. So it is a gap in the bill uh, and also there needs to be um, work done um, once the bill is introduced to make sure that it's linking to things like the natural environment bill that's forthcoming, the agriculture bill I spoke about in 2023 uh, and, and also other food related bills to make sure that there's that cohesiveness in government. Otherwise, um, we're sort of we're not doing ourselves any favour and we're definitely um, not creating the sort of um, systemic change in our food system that we need. Because I think Scottish food production can be a really key driver for uh, for the local communities, for businesses, but also for um, restoring nature. And as I spoke about earlier, locking up carbon, um, restoring wildlife, etc. Um, yeah, we did talk a wee bit about this just, just a bit earlier. Actually looking at that other side, looking at the supply chain of food and how that does get into local communities. Um, how... What can we do to, to better increase the interest in Scottish food as, consum- as consumed by Scottish communities? I mean, we, we know about a lot of our premium exports, um, but we've also heard stories of yeah, a lot of that is exported but not consumed domestically. And what needs to change in Scottish agriculture to allow us to, to get access to more of that food that is sometimes literally on our doorsteps? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... 
It is a, it is a, it's a, it's a confusing balance to strike sometimes. And obviously the, the government does have its uh, ambition 2030 to double the value of the food and drink sector by 2030, but also as part of this Good Food Nation bill and the objectives of the food plans, there'll be some key things such as supporting um, access to food. And if the right to food were to be enshrined, that's a key driver of rebalancing our food system. So there's a lot to sort of juggle. And I think taking that systems approach is a really key key way of doing that. But I think um, within the bill itself, uh, the local food plans um, and some of the things you spoke about earlier, for example, about um, procurement. So what we've seen in North Ayrshire Council, for example, a really good example of procurement for from Mosquil Dairy for all of the primary schools, I believe, in, in the local authority area. So that's a organic ethical dairy farm supplying, you know, high quality milk to, to schools. So within so within the local food plans, there'd be a lot of potential for, for driving that sort of change. But I think there's a danger that we see local food as a bit of a silver bullet as well. And we need to make sure that the sorts of um, what local means is, is a, is a, is a, can be interpreted in different ways. And what we wouldn't want is for um, a shift to a local food system that was more intensive, uh, had higher emissions, higher inputs, um, lower animal welfare standards, for example, if that meant that the food was from 10 minutes away, for example. Uh, and um, But in terms of how you shift that as well, there's what we've heard from, um, from farming organisations is things like local abattoirs as well across Scotland in very regional and uh, remote areas. Sometimes the practical processing of, of um, meat and dairy is a really hard thing. Talked to an organic farmer once who said that um, th they couldn't find an organic processor for their produce, which meant that it was sold at a lower cost uh, as non-organic, even though they had spent um, years, you know, raising these these beef for 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 an organic market. They were just unable to sell it because they didn't have the processing. So things like that, and also um, our chair Mary Brennan um, was um, is um, currently on a tour of Scotland. Um, visiting different agri-food businesses and understanding what it sort of takes for Scotland to become a good food nation. And another issue that she's found is housing for food for food workers on, on farms and on crofts across Scotland. And actually in some remote areas, as you sort of said earlier about the house prices issue, literally getting enough workers on, on the farm is, is a bit of an issue as well. Um, and I think there's also potential, yeah, on that for, for local, for a more local-based food system to be a key driver of jobs as well and thinking about economic recovery um, and restoring nature uh, definitely that sort of low intensive model and um, is, is a is a potential avenue which the bill could definitely enable um, we did a report with or colleagues did a report at RSPB with sustain on local food and that showed that shifting um, those sort of food retail market towards more sustainable local food systems could definitely drive up job growth uh, uh, and drive some of that economic recovery we need um, as we sort of come out of COVID. For me, the topic of local food is also bound up in those climate targets because um, it's not just the transport of food around the world. Um, if you're wanting, say, for example, your your out of season fresh fruit flown in to the the country, but it's about that food production as well. But you can't necessarily use domestic law to insist on higher standards of food production elsewhere. Whereas if you're encouraging more local food production in Scotland, you can influence that with good environmental laws. So that for me, that was that was part of the evidence that 
common we'll put into the, the Good Food Nation bill is, is what we would like to see a focus on. Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. And I think there's, uh, there's that, um, yeah, as it comes back to that point about offshoring and, and making sure that the sorts of things that we do, the power that we do have in Scotland and the power that we, we can, you know, and as, as I sort of forgot to say earlier, but food and farming are devolved policy areas. So it's entirely within the powers of the Scottish government to, to um, create an ambitious Good Food Nation bill that has ambitious um, targets in it. And the purpose um, can be to realise the right to food. And we can have the sorts of food system that rewards, you know, our, our growers more, um, is better for people's health, uh, greater access to food, all those sorts of things is all possible. And it's a vision that, you know, we're, we're, we're really passionate about and we want it to become a reality. Mm. So, Andrew Stark, I am the First Minister. I have just headhunted you from RSPB and I've made <laughs> you my Food Minister. <laughs> and you have this ambition and you know what you're doing and you start implementing all of these policies. By the time you're done, what does the Scottish food sector look like and what does it mean for Scottish communities? Well, uh, um, big job. Um, so um, the right to food is a reality for all in Scotland. People are able to realise the right to food. Um, people have access to high quality, affordable, accessible food. Um, our food system is a positive thing for our environment and doesn't harm um, our natural resources, um, doesn't lead to wildlife declines, increases of emissions. Um, our farmers and our growers, our producers are rewarded um, more fairly for the, work, for, the, for the work they put in and the food that they grow for Scotland and also for Scotland's economy. Um, uh, and um, also things like um, the workers themselves within the food system are treated fairly the collective bargaining and those sorts of things the food food workers have a greater say in um in the work that they put in and the businesses that they are a part of uh, and also our health objectives that um that um the food system is a is a positive thing for people's health and that it can reward good health and um start to address issues like edu educational attainment uh, and obesity uh, and that we can that we're moving towards that system where everyone in Scotland is a is healthy and can afford a good diet, um, and could go on with other food system issues that you know animal animals are treated fairly and uh, 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 and um, yeah. But I think for me, it's about that um, that the food system is a is a is a positive thing, and that it's um, the right to food is at the heart of it, and that Scotland's uniqueness as well, I think, is a key part that our um, key role in 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 uh, the natural environment with the, some of the rare habitats and species that we've got are protected but also that the uniqueness of our agricultural systems uh, and um, our communities uh, and the sorts of foods that we produce here is is protected and restored as a scotland i want to live in so <laughs> let's both of us campaign to, to make that good food nation bill and the Absolutely. other agricultural bills coming through as, as good as they can be and if anyone else is out there that wants to help then as i say there will be a link to the scottish food coalition get in touch and uh, learn more about what we're getting up to andrew thank you for coming on to the show that has been a, a, a wonderful chat i've really enjoyed it Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been fantastic to speak. Uh, and as you say, if there's anyone listening that's interested in, in sort of joining our 
campaign join the movement to make Scotland Scotland's food system fairer for people and planet then please do um, get in touch happy to to discuss anything with anyone and I'll just round off the podcast by saying that Commonweal as an organisation is entirely funded by our donors and supporters. We don't get government money, we don't get corporate sponsors, not even in the food business. We don't even have adverts on, the, on our website. So everything we do from our policies through our campaigns to this podcast itself is supported by, by you, our listeners and our supporters. Um, so if you're able to help us out, then there is a donate button in the description of this podcast and please consider giving whatever you can to, to push forward this campaign. Um, thank you everyone for coming back to the show please share it around talk about it to your friends let us know how, how we're getting on get in touch if you want to push an issue to us that we should be talking about on this show and make sure to come back next week